Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. This is the Ghostbusters Afterlife spoiler special episode. So, if you haven't yet seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, firstly, go see it because it's amazing. And secondly, leave us alone. Go away. Stop the episode right now because we are going to go into some serious spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay, everyone still with us? Great, so let's begin. Obviously, Phil, we're super excited to be talking about this film after oh, yeah. 32 years of waiting. Um, and of course, Phil, you are the, the heart of the Ghostbusters. Myself, Peter Van, I mean, Miles Patterson, provides the call. And then, of course, it's time to introduce a third member of our Ghostbusting trio. He collects spores, molds, and fungus and believes print is dead. <laughs> It is, of course, film journo Sean Spengler Crisanthu. Hi, Sean. How are you? Suck in the guts, guys, with the movie mouth. Is. How are you doing? <laughs> doing, good. D- doing good, buddy. I knew he doing was going to be Egon. I knew it. He's definitely Egon. Yeah. Uh, he's probably slightly older as well, isn't he, than the other guys? Anyway, um, so, Sean, how have you been? I mean, obviously, you, you shot to overnight fame following your appearance on the movie mouth James Bond No Time to Die podcast special still available online folks at all good podcasting uh, apps if you'd like to listen to that yeah i mean it's been it's been tough i mean i've tried to adjust to it i mean fortunately you know face masks are still quite common aren't they so i'm able to wear that right. and actually still able to walk down you know, most streets you can stay well, I mean, conspicuous then yeah considering yeah, it's yeah. a podcast i mean it's probably the voice that gives it away anyway so <laughs> oh shit really oh right oh okay yeah, i, I mean, think i want through <laughs> but i think i think i think the most important question for you sean uh, or should that be Egon? Does busting still make you feel good, or does it give you an instance of endorphin-based pleasure followed by a sallow feeling of guilt and self-masturbatory remorse? <laughs> uh, no, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, I mean, I know, I know you've only pulled me on here because I'm the only person here who saw the original on release in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, way back in. Even, even after that, and even I even had the the knockoff Ghostbusters sweatshirt from Newton Abbott Market that I wore for wow. <laughs> my my early teens. Um, so yeah, it was it was good to get back good to get back to it. Um, well, I mean, let's be honest, it's um, little little nostalgia heavy, isn't it? Just a bit, a touch, <laughs> just a bit. I think in in thirty two years time, we're going to bring you back for the next the next Ghostbusters movie as a ghost. You're gonna- <laughs> Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna store your spirit in my ghost trap, and I'm gonna I'm gonna release you just for that podcast. The that's that's an enduring out. image right there. Yeah. yeah, and then Phil and I are gonna cross the streams in front of you and put you back. Oh. <laughs> You're gonna cross your streams while I'm I didn't locked in that. your ghost trap. Oh, don't don't wince at that, Phil. It wouldn't be the first time. Um, so let's jump straight into the movie. Um, obviously, Phil and I we've given our thumbs up. Uh, on the the Movie Mouth podcast review so far, yes. uh, Sean, what were your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I am I'm probably going to take some flack for this, but I don't worship at the feet of Ghostbusters. Right, get of, him off. Get I'm him off. Okay, <laughs> I'm never, never so yeah, coming nice to this next episode. <laughs> Jason Kim will be joining us, <laughs> but I do have a lot of love for Ghostbusters. Both of them, one and two. Um, there, apparently, there was a rumor of a, some other 
incarnation at some point. No, I don't think there was. I, I don't think no, there was. I think, I think just, just, there's, there's definitely only the three films in existence. That was a cheese dream, was it? Right, okay. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So, on that basis, I probably don't, I didn't go into it with quite as much invested as a lot of, or as some other people on this pod probably. Um, and as such, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it, it was everything I wanted out of Ghostbusters 3 and probably a little bit more, really. Uh, yeah. The more, more, you know, it's one of those that, um, on reflection, I'm getting more out of actually. I'm getting more out of the story. I'm getting more out of what they managed to do. And, and I think what they've set up is, is solid. Good. I, I, and I, th- I think it was quite interesting about that. that I think you're, you're right, getting more out of it. I think it actually it adds more of a dimension to the original films as well. If you mm. go back and watch them again after watching Afterlife, because you know where the story is now going. So it actually gives it a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more nuance around the characters and you start to look for things. And obviously, you know, this is written way after, you know, those, those first two. But the thought of Egon abandoning the Ghostbusters yeah. and moving yeah. out west you know, to Oklahoma and taking the Ecto-1 and Proton Pack and, and all of the ghost traps and all that stuff. It kind of it, it kind of does work. And also there's that scene in Ghostbusters 2, Phil will, will remember, when at, right at the beginning, uh, Ray and Winston go to the children's party because <laughs> yeah. there are no more ghosts. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. So you see yeah, yeah. they're just Both schlepping yeah. for money at these yeah. the kind of parties now for kids. Yeah. To, to try and earn money because there's no other there's no other ghost around so you kind of see that beyond you know obviously Vigo it's Vigo it's Vigo um, and you know the Statue <laughs> of Liberty walking through You're buzzing the, up the flies why am I covered in school <laughs> um, so you know I think after that you kind of think well yeah they busted Vigo there were no more ghosts so they were probably right back to the old children's party stuff Egon became intense and obsessed the only thing I would say, the only thing I didn't like about that, and again, Phil, you know, call, call me out on this, mm. was the thought that Egon would walk away from the Ghostbusters and that Ray wouldn't believe him and that wouldn't no. stick by him. Yeah, no way. I think we yeah, that was a like, stretch. Mm. Yeah, we sort of uh, talked about this, didn't we, after we both saw it. But I think, mm. as you as you rightly said, like Ray was always the like the most. Uh, you know, Egon was eccentric, but Ray was like believed everything. You know, yeah. hence the Ray's occult. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. But why would he suddenly like not believe in obviously something that Egon would feel so strongly about? Yeah. If he was that way minded all along, and they've been friends for years, like he I feel just... like they all would have done. Yeah. Yeah. They all would have yeah, believed right. him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. But he did say that he went kind of wackadoo. That he kind of started to go crazy, and and that's referenced as well in the gates to you know we'll come on to the more of the heavy plot lines, but the gates to the you know the quote unquote haunted house, the uh, the dirt farm that Egon obviously owns and leaves in his will to his daughter, his estranged daughter played by Carrie Coon, um, but you see the you know the quotes around the apocalypse, you know as the in the kind of entrance way to to the farm, mm. and you start to wonder whether he was actually you know, more eccentric and more crazy than... Yeah, how far out there had he gone? How far out there had he actually gone? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also the other side of that, which is he wanted people to stay off the land because, of course, he was, quote-unquote, farming dirt, you know, which what he was actually doing was placing the ghost traps mm-hmm. across the land so that he could capture Gozer and, you know, and all the other spirits and stuff. He knew what he was doing, didn't he? He certainly did. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think I think in terms of that, I think there's it's good to go back watch the originals and see that. But I do I did still feel difficult to hear Ray say, you know, uh, Egon's uh, burning can burn in hell. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But yeah. I'm su- surprised they went with that. I'm surprised. A bit strong. I'm surprised Aykroyd went with that. Actually. Yeah, that felt me too. An odd choice. Yeah. Oh, by the by the way, uh, Egon Spengler's dead. Oh, yeah. so he's burning in hell. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of weird. But anyway, you know, I think that I think that was a, that was a really interesting choice. Um, what were your thoughts, Phil, on the cast? I thought the casting was really, really good in this. I think, um, I think McKenna Grace was like absolute star of the show. Um, and yeah, I I just thought she was amazing. I don't think they could have cast her better. And I think I think all of the children in it were just really good. And you don't I don't often say that about like a lot of films. Like no, <laughs> so, well because because they, they yeah they didn't irritate me <laughs> yeah, yeah right because they, they yeah <laughs> yeah they just carried they did what they needed to do and in a really good way and yeah as I said like McKenna Grace was amazing I really enjoyed Logan Kim as podcast. I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, uh, they were they were all good, and obviously you had um, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and I heard that like he, when he was he auditioned for it, but obviously he'd done the whole Ghostbusters thing in Stranger, yeah, Things. Stranger Things, so he thought he'd never get it because he's just like he's already already been you know in that way weirdly seen on screen in like a full Ghostbusters outfit. But I thought it was really cool that he got that like. <laughs> um, so and I, I thought he was good in it. Um, yeah, I just I, I think everyone was cast really well. You know, uh, Paul Rudd as Gruberson. Uh, he was being Paul Rudd, wasn't he? I think mm-hmm. he's a completely Paul Rudd character. Gary but really Gruberson. Good. <laughs> Gary Gruberson. Yeah, it was a really um, good. I thought Rudd was a really good fit for it, though, wasn't it? Initially, yeah, that was kind of my. Initially, I was kind of like, eh, okay, Paul. Oh, I've got nothing against Paul Rudd, but in a kind of, all oh, right, Paul Rudd. But actually, he he was spot on, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that whole '80s sort of nostalgia thing as well. You know, there he is banging like Cujo on the on the VHS. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I thought it's stuff he loved, you know. And he he added an excellent level of lightness comedy Mm. to it, the kind of Lewis Tully uh, kind of comedy that Rick Moranis did so well in the first one, not so much in the second one, I would say, but Mm. certainly in the first Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, I think he added a lot of that, didn't he? The unsuspecting, you know, smart guy who's also kind of an idiot, comic relief. Yeah, yeah, and innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Even kind of nods to that with the clothes sort of hanging off him, the shorts, wasn't it? Mm. When he sort of when he's reclining on the boulder and comes running down, that was a very sort of Lewis Tully. Brilliant. They'd obviously studied, yeah. yeah, They'd obviously studied those very well. I completely agree. He's got the little flower in his hair and on the the rock. (laughs) I like your eyes. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it was a cool moment. Um, But yeah, um, so it's interesting actually. We mentioned this in our review, but the the casting director was John Papsadera who has worked with Nolan on a lot of a lot of his movies and he cast um a lot of the the young unknown performers from Dunkirk which if you remember it was a movie that was carried by younger performers but was also yeah. you also had you know Tom Hardy and Branner and others in that in that film that weren't really as important to the plot generally as some of the younger performers that you kind of that kind of carried it so you know obviously Barry Keoghan and Keoghan and these other guys that they found in that movie were amazing so um you know, actually, Jason Reitman talked about the reason they brought him in was to try and find these actors. And apparently, um, 
you know, the kid that played podcast walked into the set and apparently he was just an absolute movie star. He was like a 12 year old kid. But he, yeah. was, he was the first movie set he'd ever been on, but it's like he'd been on 50 movies, apparently. And he was well, just you can tell that. He's like, just yeah. like is this my trailer? Like, is this the, where's yeah. craft services? You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is that kind of Corey Feldman, like, kind of mm. yeah. vibe to him, I thought. That cockiness, yeah. Yeah. you know, but not, but likable cockiness. He's like a, actually, you speak of Corey Feldman, he's like a cross between, like, Corey Feldman and Data, isn't he? He is. From the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. A very much a Goonies style character, I thought. And yeah. I thought the casting, like yeah. you said, was brilliant. And mm. uh, yeah. So what about um, what about your feelings on the kind of general the general plot? And I, I'll, I'll maybe put a primer out on this one. The Force Awakens. That was good. Was this yeah. the ghost? The Ghost Awakens. Well, so I've got um, the kind of the Spengler Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a lot. Yeah, because yeah. because it was a lot of the same plot beats yeah. in a different yeah. location. Yeah, with different actors and then the older cast coming in as the kind of key selling point but it really being about that main new young blood that's coming through yeah and there was mm. one key moment in it that really forced awakening it was the moment where mckenna grace has got it's got like the, the, the proton pack firing on full blast and i was kind of there it was ray it was suddenly ray with a lightsaber in her hand yeah. you know it was yeah. that kind of but yeah hey yeah but, you know, said if, if it put me in mind of anything yeah it was force awakening but in a good way you know i think it did I yeah I don't know because I loved it I I hmm. loved the film I really really enjoyed it massive nostalgia trip as we talked about before uh I was really happy that I enjoyed it so much because there's so much build up to it it's been on the cards for such a long time and then it got delayed because of the COVID stuff I was really worried that the plot was going to be awful and it hmm. but then I was a bit surprised that it was just. And I sort of maybe a little bit annoyed that it was just another it, it's they're doing that story and repeating Ghostbusters one for the sake of it mm-hmm. to please us, which it did, <laughs> you know, it did. And we, and I think you don't have to worry about less about what's going on because you know, all the characters sort of already, and you know who the bad guy is and who the terror dogs are. And like, you know, it's, you know the gate. It, it, I don't know. I just think it was a bit of a light, a bit of a cop out, like to just retell it in that way mm-hmm. and throw things in that we like. But at the same but time, you, I also really liked it. So, and you can say, yeah. but you could say the exact same thing about the Force Awakens. I mean, Force you could almost be talking easily. about the Force Awakens. You know, yeah, which I didn't. You know, I wasn't that enamored with. But yeah, it, it's going back to the beginning in order to restart something fresh. Yeah. I think is what they've done. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, and, to, yeah. and to create new journeys for the new characters, isn't it? And, new and, and, in it's a springboard. Yeah, completely mm. agree. And and also to inject it with something that I think the first two movies generally do not have, which is emotion. You know, yeah, and I think that yeah, right. they they that you know from the from the very opening, you know, all these characters are way more emotional. Even Ray, you know, saying you know Egon Speng- Spengler can burn in hell, as far as I'm concerned. You know, Carrie Co- <clears throat> Carrie Coon, obviously Egon's estranged daughter you know, talking down her father and, you know, yeah. um, he was a scientist, obviously, who cares, you know, <clears throat> like that kind yeah. of thing. And then, you know, two kids falling in love, you know, and, and two young kids learning about the joy of shared experience and science and discovery and all that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really get that in Ghostbusters. Really the only no. emotional joy that you get is, you know, probably when, when they leave the mayor's office and they drive, you know, to 450 Central Park West. And you know everyone's out on the street, you know, shouting Ghostbusters, you know, yeah, uh, with saving the day playing in the background. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 
No, I, I, yeah, no, I do agree. I think it's it, it's it's a modern day film, but with like huge chunks of nostalgia thrown in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's what it is. It's an updated plot with more, <clears throat> yeah, more emotion put into it, like you said, but mm-hmm. still got the funny, nice one liners and funny little you know little bits in it. So yeah, is I'm just looking at. Sorry, I can, I can see listeners. I can see Miles at the moment because we're talking via a video chat. And I think the Ghostbusters yeah. have arrived outside yeah, so his window. Just pulled up. <laughs> um, I got a little uh, surprise for you guys. <laughs> did you miss us? <laughs> hey, flat top. Did you miss us? Actually, yeah. and, a, and a, sh- a shout out to Murray. Actually, I did think yeah, he actually turned up for that as well, didn't he? His delivery of those lines, I thought, was was sharp. Yeah. 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 For, for, was, for was belying his years, actually, I think there was some good delivery going on. So let's 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 talk about that because I wanted to I wanted to bring that up, and I think mm. my my feeling was is that we weren't being told the full story from the trailer. Which these mm. days, when you watch a trailer or a preview, you get told the entire movie in two and a half yeah. minutes. You know, which I hate, which which I hate. Everyone yeah. hates. Yeah. Um, in this case, I felt like they were holding a lot back. Actually, they weren't because the original, you know, Ghostbusters were barely in this. Mm. Yeah, it was only at the end that they turned up, and I think we were all assuming that. But we were I wasn't sure if one of them might turn up a little bit earlier in the plot. You know, how did you feel about mm. that payoff? Do you think it was handled well, or would you have liked mm. to have seen more, you know, of the of the original Ghostbusters throughout the plot of this film? Uh, I would maybe. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Like, inter- I I think it was done really well. Like them turning up. Obviously, you knew it was going to happen. You know whatever you we hadn't seen it but you knew it was going to happen it had to happen didn't it and i think because we got such a short snippet of it it made it more special than mm. if you know if they'd been in the film for a while and they built up to getting their proton backs back on oh they've found the basement they've found their costumes again they're putting them on and <clears> there's a montage nice like yeah that'd be cool but them just turning up and getting into it straight away like uh yeah, I felt like a kid again, like watching yeah. that scene. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with Bill on that. I think, and, and also that sense of always leaving wanting more, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> less room to cock it up. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe, but maybe they gave slightly more than Hamill at the end of the Force Awakens. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't you know. the search for Venkman, was it? No, no, um, no. And I, Christ, I, I, if it was a search for Bill Murray, good luck there. Yeah, you just leave a you leave a voicemail on his answer phone somewhere in South Carolina. Eventually, he'll turn up at your house. I'll yeah. do the movie. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I liked it. I, again, I I I liked it. I, I think I wanted more of them, and then I think, as you say, Phil, you know, by the end of it, I think you thought they actually handled that perfectly. They didn't ruin the characters. I maybe still have some issue with. I think mainly Venkman, how Venkman was handled in yeah. in this. Um, and and I think you know and I think mainly so you know for example for the listeners benefit you know obviously Ray still owns and runs Ray's a cult a cult you know you've got Winston Zedmore who now is you know high finance you know set up his own company and is a multi millionaire slash billionaire and is actually funding Ray's rent for <laughs> Ray's a cult which I, yeah. I liked I like yeah. the fact that Winston was the one out of everyone that actually attained wealth power and wealth yeah. which i think is the book that venkman by orders from razor cult in in ghostbusters 2 right. um but then obviously venkman you hear that he was actually um you know uh 
uh, what was it some kind of college professor in advertising and marketing <laughs> advertising, or something? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously is self-promotional and that kind of thing yeah. but you, you don't you don't really see a lot of that in the original ghostbusters movies you don't see venkman having the idea to create the the ad or the brand or the logo or the, the matching suits or no. the flies or any of that stuff he's mm. actually just in it for self for himself he's actually mm. just there to to self-benefit yeah. you know and 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 so I thought that was a little unusual. You know, the guy was on TV. He was a TV mm. host, you know, yeah. in in Ghostbusters <laughs> 2, yeah. you know, and for him to go into marketing and promotion and advertising, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little lukewarm on that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I felt like he would just be probably the one that would make all of the money and disappear and be too big for them all. But then when they needed him, he would come back. You know, I felt like that's yeah. probably yeah. where it would have. I guess they. I guess they just felt they needed to give you know the Ghostbuster who had the shortest shrift and originally an extra them. payoff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd love to have sat in on the like the, the writing meetings for this and like mm. while they're discussing backstories for characters and how, what's happened to them since, like them mm. all throwing ideas around and seeing what other things could have been thrown about for this kind of thing. Yeah. I they, thought they it was nice as well. Yeah. yeah, nice as well that they did acknowledge Ghostbusters too. You know, given that it's not, hasn't there isn't the love for the second one. That there was for the first i thought no. you know little touches like raised books the fact the stuff that yeah. was out of the second one i thought i thought it was nice that they didn't just try and eliminate everything that happened in the second one as well yeah it's just i thought that was yeah quite nicely done. yeah I, I would agree i think they could have done a little bit more of, of referencing mm. to the second one i think that they yeah. Did. yeah razor cult was probably really the, yeah, only, the thing only thing other than yeah. the toaster the dancing yeah. poster, which is in the background in one of the shots, when when yeah, uh, right. the ghost of Egon shines the light on the, the diploma yeah. on the wall. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is, oh, how did you create this? And it's like, okay, I get it. You're a genius. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was a cool little nod. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I didn't really kind of go into too much of that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously then speaking about the original three Ghostbusters, how do we feel about the Harold Ramis CGI. Hmm. I personally thought it was done amazingly well. Yeah. Like, I <clears throat> I read an interview with his, well, not an interview, but just like a comment from his family. Because I was saying to my wife as we walked out of the cinema, I was like, imagine being like, you know, he's been dead a few years now. And obviously his family, I'm sure, miss him terribly. Imagine being a family member and going to see that. Mm-hmm in the cinema but also seeing him because you know later in his life he put on a bit of weight and he, he didn't look like the representation in in real right, life he, he didn't look like the representation of what they gave him but mm. i think the representation they did of him as ghost egon mm. was perfect it was mm. yeah i think apparently they had put like his uh you know his likeness and loads of images from uh from the original films into like age uh aging software you know Mm -hmm. to sort of predict how he might have looked today so i just thought it was done really well and i think they were clever in the way they did it um we all know like the uh, flack that the mandalorian got for the luke bit Mm -hmm. and you know and for it just was it rogue one where you get princess leia in it and Mm. you know technology's getting better and better but yep. I think they were clever in the way they did it because he was a ghost. They could do like a ghostly effect with it. They could shimmer it a bit. They could do very 
carefully selected close-ups of him mm-hmm. and it worked i think brilliantly like really good like some of the facial animation that i noticed was i just thought it was spot on it felt right mm-hmm. and yeah it was a it was a quite a you talk about emotion mm-hmm. that scene good lord mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was, it was like, oh my god, I'm a child and I'm sad. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. I think there's a real hit there for, um, I think Miles, you're there as well. Anyone who's lost, a, anyone who's lost their lost their dad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. that was. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it was a real hit. But yeah, I mean, I liked. It. As I just said, I think I, I think the fact that he was a ghost lent lent it. That sort of ethereal quality, which I think probably blurred blurred some edges, mm. Pro- probably quite literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that helped. And that thank helped. God, thank God they didn't make him speak because yes. if they'd done that. I was know, wondering yeah. if they would, and I thought, please yeah. don't. It because... was done so well that they didn't yeah. do that, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. And I like the fact that right at the start of the film, first first thing you see is you're not quite sure who it is, but then obviously you quickly realise who it's meant to be. I like the <clears> fact <throat> that they did it in the way with the body double and it was all, Yeah. You know. Well, do you know who that was? It was, oh, I did read it, but I can't remember now. It was, it was the, the guy who played the warden in The Shawshank Redemption. That's it, yeah. yeah who I actually does have a oh, right. slight likeness. He's more rounded than, than Harold Ramis in the face, but facially, <clears> but they obviously put him in shadow. Yeah. yeah, he does. He has. He was his. He played like the kind of the kind of body double there. Yeah. That was also quite interesting because there was the there was that um, there was the joke in there about uh, how uh, how could you be so obtuse, mm. which is also a line from which is obviously a very funny jo- in joke when it's yeah. referencing the triangulation element, but mm. also it's a line from the Shawshank Redemption, which is said to the warden, which I thought was quite. Mm. I don't know. It's the only time I can ever remember the word. I remember obtuse. I didn't even know what the word obtuse meant until I saw the Shawshank Redemption, and, and I haven't. Re- I don't really hear it much since, you know, in no. film. So it was interesting that it was then referenced again in a movie yeah. where he was actually in it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think just to just to go back to your point, Sean. Yeah, I mean, obviously losing losing a parent, losing a father is is, is isn't great, and then you know seeing something like that, which is you know for me coming back from my childhood, you know, I've, it was the first video that we had when I was a kid. You know, and uh, it was the you know the the babysitter. You know, when my parents would go out, and and so sitting and watching that, and you know, and loving the Ghostbuster, the Egon at that time was my favorite Ghostbuster, and you know, kind of growing up with that with those movies, and then you know, seeing that, and you know, the reconciliation with his daughter and all that stuff really did hit me very very hard. Mm. And yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen it twice, and I definitely had tears both times when I saw it. Mm. You know, mm. um, uh, it also had that wonderful payoff you know for harold which was it wasn't yeah, even was right at the credits was yeah, it was, that, that, actually having that within the movie that yeah, was yeah that was good that was yeah. really nice yeah. i like that a lot that. yeah <clears throat> no yeah as, as he no. kind of evaporated or eviscerated into kind of stardust and mm. drifted off bloody hell Whoa. Was, uh, yeah. yeah going again going oh. again yeah. i think it, for me, it was a scene we crying. <laughs> for me obviously there's some emotional scenes where he's like you know saying goodbye to his family or whatever but it's not for emotion, but just for like, this is it. 
it was the scene where you know it goes down the line that the ghostbusters they're all back yeah they've all got the streams yeah. going and it goes down the line and there's ray yeah. there's venkman <laughs> there's winston and then you've got egon on there as a ghost like doing it uh, and he's like grimacing you know like he's got that sort yeah. of real look on his face constant yeah. and it's just like yes this is amazing but, this but is they also exactly look at him like they're a little bit freaked out by it which so, I yeah, yeah. yeah exactly the way that goes back down down line, it was like yeah. it was like yeah yeah i loved it that is exactly what i i wanted yeah, you know. I loved Ray's face on that in particular. You watch Ray on that bit where he turns yeah. around and sees him, that just look of sort of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. that does so well. Brilliant. And you you actually yeah. see when 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 Egon's hugging uh, Carrie Cooney's daughter, you actually see Ray and his and Ackroyd is fully well welling up in that in that exact scene. You know, being yeah. the pro that he is, yeah. you know, and uh, I thought that was just just brilliant. And then obviously the segue from from that as the camera pans up and you see the kind of the stars to then locking onto the stars and then panning back down and you see Brooklyn Bridge, you see Ecto yeah. One yeah. crossing yeah. into Manhattan, you know, with, yeah. the, with yeah. the, the the lights going on. It was a yeah. really cool, yeah. really cool and scene. The music kicks in. Yeah. I wanted some cleaning up the town though. Oh, I missed yeah. I missed no I, I I think I was saying again, this con- this is a conversation I have with my wife. It's like, did I want any of the original soundtrack songs? I believe it's magic. It's magic. Please. 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 Did I I want any of that? And I said, yes, I would have loved to have heard like cleaning up the town or whatever when, Mm. you know, in certain points or different songs. But it's just like, maybe, no, probably they shouldn't have done it. I I really, really did like the use of the school though. And I was surprised how in this, just how sweet it kind of became. Mm. I found it really quite, endearing yeah, especially yeah. in some of the scenes in, in the rules which kind of didn't work in the city environment that it's exactly the same piece of music yeah right but kind of had a really different really mm. sweet tender little feel to it which yeah. i thought was which really kind of took me by surprise really yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of that stuff yeah. i well, completely agree i think they i think the score was phenomenal actually for this i think yeah. it was the right mm. choice of composer i think he using the right pieces at the right time yeah. um without trying to give these new characters the same musical underpin you know and payoff you know and having mm. i think some of the original music or score or even songs would have you would have just been like oh now they are definitely just rehashing the entire thing i think they did yeah. they did yeah. well the only thing i didn't like so much was some of the original the the the, uh, the kind of original pieces that they used which were more kind of rockabilly like 1950s 60s rock and roll which mm. which i th- i felt didn't really fit with the ghostbusters universe you kind of want that you know, yeah. kind of funkier kind of music, you know, 80s kind of throwback music. I think if they were going to throw back any kind of music, they probably should have thrown back 80s music to the film. Yeah. But maybe agree, it would yeah. just made it a little bit more cynical. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, they, they they felt like they were trying to feed that nostalgia of that small town, like the, yeah. the diner kind of thing. And yeah. that, that was being put, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And the other piece that they used when he was flinging the Ecto-1 around the field as well, I found that a bit jarring. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, overall. Also, also, the worst piece of CGI in the movie is when Ecto One jumps up out of the ditch and lands on the road, and you see that kind of CGI Ecto One just like collapse on the road. <laughs> I don't think that looks like bad. Jukes of Hazard. I don't of. think that looked yeah. that bad. I just think that would a car that age like still be able to drive after an impact like that? Do you know what mm. I mean? Well, is, I think that's like the old Jukes of Hazard where they used to come in at sort of yeah, like forty five degrees, degrees. In it and the next shot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not a scratch on yeah. it, and then yeah. going up the road. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know it's the film it's the movies isn't it yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. i've got um so i've got some in true style movie mouth style got some sort of 
not trivia, but I've got some bits that are, um, yeah, bits of trivia and a few bits of things that were featured in the film that were nods back to the other films. And I want to know if you both noticed these, if I go through just a few of them. There's not many. Stacks of book um, in the farmhouse. Uh? Yeah, excellent. Stacks of yeah. book in the farmhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so when Gruberson, so that's Paul Rudd's character, is being chased through Walmart, you can see the same tracksuit that Rick Moranis' character wore in the original. Oh, oh my God. God. What? Yeah. <laughs> so no one noticed that one then. I didn't Okay, either, who but... brought the dog? <laughs> the, the blue one, like the blue one. Poly- it's like polyester yeah. shining in the, under the yeah. fluorescent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, in the original Ghostbusters, Egon tells Janine he collects spores, molds, and fungus. Yes. When yeah, Phoebe finds Egon's underground bunker, his collection can be seen. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. that was a pretty... Yeah. Uh, the camera kind of panned over the all. Panned yeah. over it, yeah. 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 Sweet. Um, in Egon's secret lab, a waist-high red machine with lights is visible for a brief moment in the periphery. Uh, this is the same machine wheeled out of Venkman's office in the original film when he's told <laughs> his funding has run out and his research <laughs> has been terminated. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, and fucking it, right. If you got this one, then you deserve some sort of award, right? When Phoebe enters Egon's secret lab for the first time, a hotel card, um, so it says made. Please oh, I saw have... a made card on the door. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I didn't get it. I didn't get the reference. Please have the room made up as soon as possible is what it says. Uh, it's visible on the cabinet that holds the Ghostbusters uniforms. Mm. The same card is hanging on Peter Venkman's office door in the oh. first scene of Ghostbusters. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, why he'd have a card from Venkman's, from Venkman's office, office in his own but, thing? Yeah. I don't know, but still, I like it. Mm. Um... <laughs> And then just a couple of facts, really. Uh, uh, Cynthia Miller, who performed the Ons Martino, uh, I don't know if I've pronounced that right, but it's the instrument, for the Ghostbusters uh, 1984 musical score, returned to play uh, for the opening of Afterlife. So her oh, part on, on that instrument, which was the spooky wave-type sound, which we all know and love, uh, can be heard prominently during the library basement scenes in Ghostbusters. But yeah, she came back. So it's the same, uh, same lady playing it, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, they brought her back like Evo Shandor <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that was really weird J.K. Simmons in a, yeah, yeah. playing Evo Shandor and I thought because alright so here's the thing do you think that was the creepiest part this, of the movie actually wasn't it that was the creepiest yeah, right, part of the movie right so really yeah. weird when he sort of like looks at him <laughs> like uh, looks at um, podcast mm. and then because my I was talking to, I was talking to my brother about the film after he has not seen it and I said oh you should go and take my niece to see it but I know he said to me, I might take my niece to see it. And I was like, I'm not sure because I think like, because she's uh, seven, I think now. And it's just like, I'm not sure about that. I think it was quite scary, like in places, like the original mm. ones could be in places mm. as well. You know, the, the, the yeah. old lady, like yeah, in the, the library, the first yeah. one, Jesus Christ. Mm. But he like, Evo Shandor, although it's not a gory scene, he gets like ripped in half. Yeah, <laughs> like down the face, <laughs> which is really yeah. unexpected. Yeah. There's a lot of jump scares in. Well, no, mm. not a lot, but there's a really good sound design. There's a lot of like when ghosts come out of traps, it's like yeah. real mm. loud, that like one purposefully. Scene, yeah. yeah, there's um, not a lot of ghosts in this movie, though, are there? You got to say not terrible. Not really. You've got no, not, not really, but you've got you know, like you've the got zombie the guy. Cool, the yeah, the minor zombie in the diner, which I really yeah, liked. That's pretty creepy. Like to a small kid, I think that'd be pretty creepy. But you know. 
we got Evo prob- Shandor in his pretty cabinet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, lying in state, like uh, Lenin it was quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I think I, I personally, you know, I saw the original Ghostbusters when I was like three or four or something, way too young. Yeah, and saw it many times. And the only thing that really used to scare the piss out of me, and that was was the library ghost at the yeah. beginning. No, I agree. Uh, it has, has, hasn't scarred you at all, has it, Mark? I mean, I'm sitting here at 37 years old in a Ghostbusters outfit, sitting in my living room, <laughs> yeah, exactly. doing a podcast with you two idiots. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. miss him. Um, so, no, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think kids today, they're exposed to a lot worse. Yeah. And I think that yeah. I, my personal feeling about that, because obviously I talked to your brother about it too, Phil, and, you do. and, and other people that have got Behind kids. Behind my back. And I would say, I, yes. Yeah, so did so did I feel actually. Yeah. We were all, yeah, we were all yeah, together yeah, yeah. actually talking about you. <laughs> um, but the, but the funny thing was is that I, I think that as a whole, the one thing that m- might upset kids more is maybe the the how death is handled in this film. Having mm. a ghost, having you know this this kind of thing, knowing that someone died at the you know Egon dies at the beginning, mm. and it's not particularly pleasant, you know. The way that mm. it's kind of treated, it's more emotional, and I think that that emotional element can can also yeah. screw kids up in some way. Yeah, it's 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 also interesting because it's almost referenced in the film itself, isn't it? When you've got all those kids sitting there watching Cujo, where you've got <laughs> yes. this dog sort of terrorizing me, and yeah. the kids yeah. are all just sat there with their hands, yeah, you know, head in their hands, just yeah, whatever. It's, yeah, right. It's, br- it's brilliant that you mentioned that. It's brilliant that you mentioned mm-hmm. that because I thought that was a really weird choice for <laughs> Cujo, a summer substitute teacher to put on as a video for a bunch of kids oh see see i i would go i would say yes spot on for that i've given being given that i'm basically that age yeah and cujo at that point was everywhere yeah so that actually was right that was that was the film that every all kids in the 80s kind of wanted to nick the vhs off of what so that 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 gave me one of the biggest laughs in the film actually when he put that that's amazing I That's did amazing. like when they cut back to the other scene and they were like Chucky. Chucky's like, Chucky like on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going mental. And actually, funny enough, speaking about films and films, did anyone notice the the theatre reference outside the cinema? Oh. No, I didn't. No, but I've again. So I've one read about night this. at the cinema was bingo. So they were obviously having like a bingo night at the <laughs> cinema. There's not a lot going on in that town. No. And then the other night was Cannibal Girls. Which was uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So Ivan Reitman actually exists in the Ghostbusters universe. He's actually he's part of the universe. Well, you say that, but I don't know if you saw. Um, I think there was like a tweet that Jason Reitman put out, uh, maybe yesterday or the day before. But um, oh, he's in it. Isn't he? He's in it. Yeah, 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 he's in the film. Ivan Reitman is in the film. Yeah. Yeah. In the close up (laughs) scenes where they're like, you know, they get out of the Ecto 1 and there's some like other, you know, like close up um, footage of like, you know, ready in the Mm -hmm. uh, proton Mm -hmm. packs and stuff like that. That's, they dressed Ivan Reitman up in Venkman's outfit and did some like close up scenes. So it's his hands. That's amazing. Um, yeah, because I guess, you know, Bill Murray wasn't on set every day. Was, he was probably was on there for like a day or if, whatever. If we're going to be cynical, yeah, Bill Murray wasn't there for the pickups. No, right. He, yeah, yeah, he wasn't yeah. there for the pickups. You wouldn't have expected was, it anyway. He was probably, gone, man. He was in that town at a local bar making friends <laughs> yeah. with everyone in the town, playing <laughs> playing the piano, playing jazz yeah. on the piano or something. Yeah, Stealing know all their life stories. Plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I doubt he I was even in that town, that whole set. That would have been a set, all of that, wouldn't it? It would mm. just be some studio in LA somewhere, I bet you. That <laughs> he, whole, he, was, like, he was even more CGI than uh, 
than Harold Raymond. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he did look old yeah. out of all of them. I thought he looked he looked yeah, the did. most weather worn. Yeah. But then he, he kind of always has, isn't he? And his brother his brother always has as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Ernie Hudson like is some sort of took some sort of anti-aging elixir when he was <laughs> he looks he looks young. amazing doesn't he and it, yeah and 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 actually just speaking about Ernie Hudson and maybe Annie Potts as well I wanted to talk a little bit more about Janine yeah but just talking about Winston I think it's quite interesting how they've they've set up you know the fact that he is now funding Ghostbusters yeah. you know not so much memorabilia but it looks to me like he's trying to get operations set up. It feels like it's the two of them that are going to carry the torch forward with the new generation, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Actually, one thing the... <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, go on. No, I was well, going to say, was... oh, <laughs> you go oh. now, 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 boys. now, now. You go, Miles. <laughs> okay, no, you paper, go. Scissors. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so the, the other thing I was going to say is that it was weird. There was a bit of a continuity issue with it in that they said somebody said, "Oh, you know, the Starbucks." Old Oh, so that's what I was going to yeah. say. That's yeah. what I was going to say. So yeah. Well, there you go. go. See? Yeah. You don't even have to speak anymore, Phil. I'll just do it. No, for it's fine. <laughs> you can do it telepathically. Continue to be the heart of the Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, weird. And then you see the car driving in and it's all dusty and it's still the dusty. <laughs> it's been closed that's up That's the shittest years. Starbucks ever. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it would, well, it would, it would be the best. Be fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it does look like, looks to me like, they're setting something up. Um, Annie, so Annie Potts. So let's just let's just go back and talk a little bit about about Janine. So Janine, uh, when when uh, Carrie Coon and the kids arrive at the farmhouse owned by Egon, um, she announces that she's been kind of taking care of bills and things like that. But she also alludes that they were maybe more than friends. Her and Egon. She said that she pays the bills um, because he had a tendency to forget to do that. But she says something something along the lines of, oh, your grandfather and I were friends. There's a bit of a pause, you know, and it's almost alluding to the fact that maybe they were more, they were more than that. Mm. Um, and we then see later in the in the post-credits sting, um, an outtake scene, which wasn't seen yeah. in the original Ghostbusters film, yeah. of of Janine giving uh giving Egon this commemorative coin. From the 1964 World's Fair. Yeah, I I do have a memory of the fact that that was actually in the original script that there was going to be a blossoming romance between the two of them. No, oh. and I seem to remember rightly that actually it was Ramis who pulled it because he said it just didn't feel His right character. for Egon. Mm. It didn't fit at that point within that mm. story that they were telling at that time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he chose to to pull that, and hence that scene oh. was pulled from it. Yeah. Interesting. I thought it was a nice, nice nod to nice nod. Yeah, I thought it was great. They put that in yeah. there. Yeah. Did they did they put it in to further that relationship between him and Janine, and to give more credence to Janine, or were, are they setting something up with or that? Did they have a scene that they just thought, oh, let's chuck it in? It was strange Surely that they threw it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because there was also a scene where she was holding that coin right mm. in the lot in the lobby. Of Windsor, yeah, the post-credits. the lobby of the post, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the post-credits, yeah, yeah. I guess they're giving themselves options to work with, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, like that I coin it was a nice could thing. be something. Yeah, yeah. A MacGuffin yeah. of some kind. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you know, I think all in. Um, I absolutely love this, Phil. I know that yeah. you share the same sentiment, Sean. 
yeah. you know, sounds like you yeah, didn't have any problems with it. No, it's for really. It's everything I wanted from a. You know, I say it's Ghostbusters three. It's everything I could have wanted from Ghostbusters three. I think. Yeah. So, so here's the the eternal question. Um, I'll start with you, Sean. Mm. Where does Ghostbusters go next? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is that is is what they were setting up in the post credits there a an attempt for Winston to be, you know. The leader the was it Bosley to Charlie's Angels? Yeah, or the with a, with a new with some new busters coming through. But yeah. then where are the ghosts? Yeah. The Nick Fury, maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm you do sure. also see the ghost containment unit comes back to life, starts blinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's enough though. I don't I don't really want I don't think I want it to go anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, do we want Ghostbusters for? Do we? Re- I mean, I'm quite happy with it where it is. That rounds it off. For me, yeah, but I'm not sure. Obviously, obviously, I'll be going to see it if they do. Yeah, but I mean, but, what are the financial? I haven't actually. Uh, what have the financials been like on it? It's it, it's done well. It's done well. Yeah. I think it was on something like a forty. It did something like forty-four million dollars in its opening weekend. Yeah, which is true. incredible. It was a, this is on a very fairly low budget movie for Hollywood yeah. standards. A hundred million dollar budget. This movie. Yeah, and um, it was a COVID release as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. It it did very well on the back end. I'm not so sure, but I'm sure the international market has has opened up, opened it up. Um, mm. But you know, I think that I think there's there are legs in it. You know, and I think Sony, mm. you know, Sony. We saw with the with the Ghostbusters. Sorry, a film that doesn't exist. Apparently, there was an all female Ghostbusters, um, but. <laughs> If there was a film like that, um, it would have had the opening titles that said Ghost Core, which is uh, Sony's Ghost Core studio, which is set up by Ivan and, and Jason Reitman and is mm. uh, basically, a, it's a, at the moment, it's a memorabilia uh, you know, office on the back lot of Sony's, Sony Pictures in Hollywood. Um, it's where Reitman and, and his co-writer wrote the script. Uh, it's where they have a ton of memorabilia from the original movies and that, that kind of thing. And it's where they are... I believe planning to shape the future of the franchise. You don't create a, you know, a production house without yeah. thinking about it. And it's Sony, you know, they're clasping at the moment for their own IP, you know, when they're sharing now Spider-Man with Marvel and um, you know, Warner is is ring fencing all of their content, you know, in on HBO Max, yeah. DC, you know, Marvel with with Disney, and I think that they are looking at that, you know, they're looking at strong IP that they can keep reselling into the future. Mm. Um so, but whether that is in a year, two years time, or whether it is in 10 years time and we see, you know, McKenna Grace all grown up, so to speak, you know, as a, a you know, a, a part of the female, a female member of the Ghostbusters, I don't know, but perhaps that's what they're, mm. they're kind of thinking. Leave it unwritten mm. and see what, see what mm. comes back. And they did the same thing, I think, with, with Force Awakens, um, you know, and we won't talk so much about Ryan Johnson's film as a follow up to that, but. And the disappointment of it for me personally, um, but you know, perhaps we'll we shall see. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so all in, we enjoyed Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think we can all agree. Um, we will be bringing more spoiler specials, um, but obviously you can join us next time on the Movie Mouth Podcast. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Sean. Good Thank to you, see you again. And yeah, I'm glad that Bustin makes you feel good. Makes me feel good. <laughs> um, and before our next episode, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at Movie Mouth Podcast. 
and hit subscribe or give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice. Phil, Sean, there's just one last thing to say, isn't there? Do <laughs> Ray Winston. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.